Good morning. It is wonderful to sing with the saints this morning. Y'all got to sing a little louder, though. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good? You hear all those, those wonderful things. He bled and died to take away my sin. That weight of sin should be gone from the believer's heart. The shame should be gone. The guilt should be gone. It's so wonderful. My name's Jonathan um, Gonzalez. Um, you had a, a speaker here a couple of weeks ago, Seth Briggs from Manitou Lake Bible Camp. I don't work there year-round, but I like to hang out with Seth a lot um, and uh, go down there during the summers. Um, and uh, that's about as much as you'd need to know about me. <laughs> but uh, um, let's spend time reading the word together. I'm just going to read a little bit from Jeremiah uh, chapter 23, and then we'll go to our, to our passage. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and you have driven them away. You have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. And I will set shepherds over them, who care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David's righteous, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as a king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his day, Judah shall be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Lord, you are our righteousness. You came as a man, humbled yourself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Hebrews says you learned through suffering. You learned obedience through suffering. What greatness to create the nervous system that deals pain and bear it upon yourself for the sake of others. What forgiveness. Lord, would we be mindful of these things this morning? Would you teach us? Would you open our hearts to hear your word and obey your word? Would you give us hearts of flesh if hearts of stone have hardened Lord, it seems like the heart is always wanting to harden towards you. And I pray that my heart and other hearts in this room would be turned back to flesh to hear your word this morning. We praise you and thank you that you're able to do that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Let's turn to Acts together. This morning we're in Acts, uh, verse 6. 
or sorry, chapter five. <laughs> Acts chapter five. And I'm going to just read our, our passage. We're in chapter 5, verse 17. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with them, they called together the council and all the senate and the people of Israel and sent to uh, the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this could come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing at the temple and teaching the people. And when the captain and the officers were brought to them, uh, brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in his name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you listened. Uh, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men, for the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I'll just stop there. Well, the word of God does not return void. We know this through scripture. It will either spur you on to further righteousness or you will harden your heart towards it, but it doesn't do nothing. So, as we hear the word of the Lord today, let's be careful to not remain unchanged by it. Therefore, we would harden our heart to what is said. Continuing through the Acts this morning, some call it the Acts of the Apostles, some call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. One thing is sure the historical account of the explosion of the church doesn't happen till after the Holy Spirit arrives. And God does a work through his people by his spirit. Last week we heard that Ananias and Sapphira lied to God, the Holy Spirit, after receiving the redemption of Jesus. And people might say that they want to be like the New Testament church. Have you ever heard that? carry that sentiment <laughs> after hearing Ananias and Sapphira. Um, I, I'm still for that sentiment if, if it would bring God the most glory, but it is a little bit scary to think that that could happen and, and does happen. Uh, the book of Acts again and again points to God as being alone worthy of glory and we shed light on his glory when we are obedient 
to him. This morning we're looking forward at the, uh, at the chapter we read and, and a little further on um, in moving forward. Uh, for the sake of meaningful in-depth study, we're going to camp at some of these passage and passages and look at what happens historically and the applications for ourselves. Uh, to begin with, we have the church once again exploding. We see wonders and signs of the apostles. The sick are being healed. The people are hearing the truth of the gospel. Um, and, and that uh, uh, the helpless we are to save ourselves. We're not able to save ourselves they hear the truth of the gospel and, and and we're unable to save ourselves from the wrath and justice of God Jesus the son of God died to pay for sin he rose again and God grants forgiveness to his people to have hearts of flesh becoming new creations that hear and repent of sin and turning from sin and trusting Jesus through faith. In our historical account of Acts, we begin with a high priest. He's rising up. He breaks the law with the 10th commandment. He covets. He covets God's goods. God's goods are his glory. He covets. The high priest is in coveting. He breaks the 10th commandment. They are jealous of the Holy Spirit doing a work through the apostles. Envy has led them to murder the king of kings, and they wouldn't stop there. They put the apostles in prison again. Were you guys here for the first time they put the apostles in prison? Do you know what happened? (laughs) Yeah, um... So I don't know what they think is going to happen. But an angel rescues them and tells them to get back to preaching. Um, And and not the first time God rescues them, but the Jewish rulers don't learn that you cannot stop the proclamation of the gospel. You you just can't stop it. Um, You'll find that in church history and in the history of mankind. Uh, Since Jesus, the, the proclamation of the gospel just has not been stopped, cannot be stopped. Um, now, the high priests, this is, this is serious sin. Serious sin. Come, some could say that it, it, it would have further reaching uh, implications than what Ananias and Sapphira did, perhaps. Um, if you stop the gospel right here. <laughs> but God does not punish them at this point. Their punishment is waiting judgment day. Whenever someone is not punished, we need to be careful to know this. Whenever someone is not punished for sin immediately, it is because of God's grace. It's because of God's forbearance. He's patient with the priests here. He's patient. He's forbearing. He's holding back his anger. The Bible says that God is indignant against sin every day, all day long. He's patient. Some of them later in our text will see they turn from sin and they trust in Jesus. The priests, which is so amazing and wonderful. Back to considering their iniquity, though, it's good to take note when people try to stop the gospel. And, and, and we need to be distraught and grieved over that. That people are trying to stop 
the gospel. Isn't that grievous? Isn't that awful that people try to, to silence the gospel? To witness silencing such a great salvation should break our hearts, and it's happening all around us. It's happening across North America. Peter and the other apostles were brought before the Supreme Council in the Tribunal of the Jews, headed by a high priest, and having religious, civil, and criminal jurisdiction. This guy had enough power to end them. Uh, This is where I would like to camp for a while and come to that first application today. So we're reading in verse 27 and on uh, again. They brought them in and made them stand before the Sanhedrin, where the high priest interrogated them. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us responsible for this man's blood. But Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior in order to grant repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so this is, so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Let's examine this for a moment here. The Sanhedrin don't want to take responsibility for murder. Um, and, and, and they have been trying to use their authority to tell the apostles what to do to not teach, teach Jesus. What would you do, believer? What would you do? When some earthly figure tells you not to speak the truth of Jesus. Think about this last week for yourself. Is Jesus' name on my lips from day to day? Do I speak with each other? Do we speak with each other? And do we speak with others about his glory? Would this be a problem for me, for someone to tell me not to speak Jesus' name? Would this be a problem? Or would it be like, oh, well, that's okay, because I wasn't doing it in the first place anyways. Would it be a problem? Psalm 105 commands us, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. This is not a Sunday morning verse. This is a lifestyle. Even today, were someone to tell us not to speak to them of Jesus, what is our response going to be? Well, okay, I guess you don't want to listen to anyways. What is our duty as born-again believers Let's see what Peter, by the Holy Spirit, says on the matter in 1 Peter 2.9. It tells us, But you are a chosen race, a royal 
priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was delighted to hear Byron talking about Jesus as high priest this morning. That's so wonderful because it goes right in line with how he, he has allowed us to become priests as well. Believer, you're a priest. Did you know that? What is your priestly duty? The role of a priest is to seek to improve someone else's standing before God. How can their standing with God improve unless he's proclaimed in their life? Unless the word is proclaimed in their life. We must proclaim. We must. To go without speaking his name is to be ashamed of him. To neglect his goodness in calling towards us. The Pharisees would seek to keep men in darkness. They loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil from John 3.19. The response of Peter and the apostles is a banner for us. It's a banner for the redeemed. We can go under this banner, be safe and secure under this directive that they gave. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. These Sanhedrin have the same power to kill them that Nebuchadnezzar had to kill Daniel, that the Sanhedrin had to kill Jesus. They have the same power over them. However, they're not worried about suffering the same fate as their Lord. There are a couple of reasons why the apostles would not bow the knee to the will of men over the will of God. And same for us, that we would not bow the knee to men over God where such things are concerned. Number one, the person of Jesus. The work of Jesus in the apostles' lives was evident. They were his disciples. They spent time with him. The testimony of Jesus would be etched into their minds and hearts forever. His love for them and his teaching, his sacrifice and his resurrection. Is it etched in yours? Is his testimony etched in my heart? To the point where I would say I must obey God. Jesus' love and Jesus' teaching, his sacrifice, his resurrection, it is more potent, it is more powerful than the teaching, the testimony of the men of the earth. Number two, why obey God over men? Fear, fear of God, the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 1-7, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Jesus also said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. God is more powerful. His judgments are farther reaching. So, of course, he is the one to follow. He is the one to follow. 
Number three, to bring the gospel to others. Why would I, why would I disobey God to teach, to teach when I must bring this gospel to others? There is no hope of salvation outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some think, well, if, if people do good and try their best with the knowledge they have, God will save them. And I wish that were true. It's simply not true in the scripture. Jesus said that no one comes to the Father except through him. Romans ten seventeen tells us that so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you do not believe this truth in the gospel, will not be urgent. It's not going to be urgent to you. Repentance will not be as necessary in my heart. And Christ's blood will be lessened. It will be less precious, less important to me. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no under name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Was Acts 4.12. And so the apostles must continue for the sake of the lost to hear the good news and repent. Number four, God foreordained their obedience to bring about his own glory. God foreordained their obedience. Acts 1.8, Jesus prophesies over his disciples. He prophesies. He's a prophet. He's a priest. He's a king. And he prophesies, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So they, they cannot <laughs> because Jesus prophesied that it would happen. And so application one of our text this morning is that we must obey God rather than men. When men contradict God, when they contradict God, when they say, no, you, you can't do that, we must obey God rather than men. If you follow the next two chapters of Acts in your Bible, uh, reading in preparation for, for the next week or so, and, and the next sermon, um, you will see that obedience, regardless of the outcome, is, is, is going to bring about growth in the church and in your own life. Obedience regardless of the outcome. As a young father and mother, uh, me and Charmaine are, are concerned with bringing about obedience in our children, not so that they will be less annoying. We are concerned with their obedience not because I have the authority, because we are concerned that they would be sinning against God if they were not obeying us. They would be sinning against God. They would be removing themselves from God's blessing because there's blessing in obedience. They would be removing themselves from that blessing and so we are concerned with their obedience to God, but I must think, am I as concerned of my own obedience to God? Am I as concerned 
whether I obey God, whereas I try and force obedience on my child to God, but I don't force obedience myself to God. How hypocritical is that? How could that be? Do I jump to obey when I hear his spirit tugging at my heart? And so I must bring about obedience to God in my own life, especially, or not especially, but when, when men say otherwise, no, we, we must go with God. This can come in many forms. Let's take an example. Let's think culturally. What are we as a culture okay with that God is not? I borrowed this from a brother who, 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 who preaches, and, and uh, I just love that. What are we okay with culturally that God is not? Now, the low-hanging fruit could be things like abortion, pornography, alcoholism. Uh, God is clearly against these and calling us to repentance over these things. However, we could go further into the thought life. Are we culturally okay with, with watching perverse speech and laughing at it? Are we culturally okay with viewing iniquity? Viewing iniquity for entertainment? As long as I'm not doing it, how about laughing with crude humor on sitcoms? It's, it's, it's not a sitcom, it's sin. It's a sincom. It's sin to laugh in iniquity. Proverbs 8.13 says that the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. How can I fear the Lord if I don't hate it? Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. God's people ought not to enjoy perverse speech or use perverse speech. God, God hates it. God hates perverse speech. Cultural living in the way of man says it's okay to have a hissy fit. Anybody have a hissy fit now and then? Um, throwing patience out the window when it suits our mood or when we're tired or when we're served an undercooked dish at a restaurant. But acting in anger is sin. Acting in anger is, is sin. It's not a temper. It's sin. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Gossiping, slandering, talking about somebody uh, in, in a negative way and calling it venting. We have a fine way of setting aside God's law to obey the traditions of men, as Jesus puts it. A fine way of setting aside God's law. Culturally, what are we okay with? That God is not. Because sin creeps at our door wanting to have us and claim us so that we will be unfruitful for the kingdom of God. We ought to obey God rather than men. Think of the consequences if the apostles agreed. Think if they agreed and they stopped sharing the gospel. Would you be here in this room? I don't think so. 
We are reminded of the apostles stating that Jesus became a savior in order to grant repentance to Israel. It is so that we are able to turn away from sin, whatever it may be, and come to obedience in God through Jesus Christ by faith. If you're not a believer here this morning, I, I, I urge you, I urge you, God put forth Jesus to die on a cross, a horrible, horrific death, to give you forgiveness of sin, to grant that you are able to have the power in your life to say, I want to turn from sin. I want to confess Jesus as the Lord of my life and start to live for him. And he is able to give you a heart of flesh where there was a heart of stone. He is able to see you through to righteous living, to be obedient to him. Because obedience is so important to him. If we are not obedient, the wrath of God remains on us. That's in John 3. Not the most popular verse in John 3, but it's there. The Lord is good to save. Let's continue our outline. After condemning the rulers of the Jews, the Jews are furious. They want to kill God's chosen people. Again, anger is not a trait that produces righteousness. But after some wise counsel from a man named Gamaliel, the Sanhedrin don't kill them. They only beat them and tell them to stop proclaiming the gospel. The backs of the apostles were likely to have been torn and bloody. Has your back ever been torn and bloody? Maybe it has. Mine mine hasn't. Um, But the response, the response will be our second application today. It says in verse 40, At this they yielded to Gamaliel. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus uh, and released them. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Every day in the temple courts and from house to house they did not stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Considering our passage, let's lay application two. Suffering for God's sake. This is not a cheap topic. This is not uh, the the cheeriest topic we could think of. Nor is it to be taken lightly. If we're a believer, we, we may be We might be suffering in this way at this present time. I don't know this congregation. I don't know your stories. I know there are others who even just this last week lost their job over this. Or were telling me that they were going to lose their job over this. No suffering is pleasant. It might be because your beliefs are causing ridicule ridicule from work or your school, or you might be shunned by your family when you try to bring the gospel light to them and it just breaks your heart. And we are reminded today that suffering in these ways is doing something. It is producing something in your life. The unbeliever who suffers, suffers in vain as though a slave under Pharaoh. 
Uh, but for the true born-again believer, bought by the blood of Christ, sin was passed over, and the new creation does not suffer in vain. Your wilderness-like suffering believer is producing something. It is producing the glory of God. So hang on. Hang on. 1 Peter 4.13 says, Written by the man in our passage who just received a terrible beating, says to us, But rejoice so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you were insulted for the name of Jesus, believer, you're blessed because the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. Praise God for these things. Romans 5.3 tells us more than that. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. We have some clear promises in scripture that if we're following Christ, suffering will follow. Isn't that scary? Can be scary. Promises that suffering will follow if if I'm going to be a believer. We're promised that there's a cross to bear and a price to pay. When I was a young man, I was about 17, I think, um, I saw the clear path of, of, of following Christ and I thought to myself, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through these hard things. I'll just hold myself back from getting closer to God. I'll hold him about arm's length. So that I won't suffer. What a fool I was. What a fool to think that 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 would make me suffer less in this life. The truth is that every human being on earth will suffer often by piercing ourselves with many griefs of our own sin. But the purpose of our suffering is the important part. Christ suffered and he suffered in his body to set people free from sin. And what on this earth are we willing to suffer for? Let's not try and avoid suffering for Jesus' sake in in regards to sharing the gospel, the necessity for turning from sin for other people and ourselves to have faith in Jesus so that the lost know the way of escaping judgment. Remember, we're priests. We're priests. But I might lose a friend. You very well could. And many friends have been lost. But you may also bring them to their Savior or plant a seed for the next person to grow. But people might yell at me, probably. Uh, if they spit at you, there's wet wipes. I, I might lose my job. That, that's very true. Someone might have put me in jail. I actually think of, I used to work at an electronics store in Lloyd. And, and I just like, I don't know how I didn't get fired. <laughs> like So many times I could have been fired for sharing the gospel. But... Uh, God kept me from it. Someone might put me in jail. That's so possible nowadays. It's becoming more and more possible. It will become more and more. Um, when we read the book of Acts and we, th- we think of these people, we think, ah, oh, they must be super godly. They're, they're so much more godly than me. How could I do that? They're not. 
They weren't some super Christians. They're not the super Christians. There's no such thing as a super Christian. There's just regular people who've been changed by God's spirit. Regular people. These men, before encountering the Holy Spirit, fled their Lord on the first sign of trouble. What changed? Jesus promised he wouldn't leave you alone, believer. The Holy Spirit empowered these normal people, fishermen and tax collectors, to boldness and courage and also to endure great insult and suffering for the name. Uh, If the Holy Spirit is in you, you're able to do the same. You're able to bear it. And so we must not stop bringing the gospel to our communities and friends, relatives, and neighbors. This is all about what the book of Acts is about, bringing the gospel. Are we still in the book of Acts as a people under God? Are we still those Acts-bearing people? What if I don't know how to share the gospel? I want to share it, but I don't know where to start. Because each person is different. You got a Hindu over here. You got all sorts of different things. Atheists, you've got everywhere in between. Stepping away from God's authoritative word for a moment, I would, as, as Jonathan, as a person, I'd recommend you listen to some Ray Comfort. Spend time um, hearing from somebody who, who does this very, very often. He has lots of training resources, gospel tracts, um, helps to make evangelism very easy sharing gospel um ray comfort uh living waters yeah back in our passage the apostles suffer and rejoice they recognize the same as john the baptist but by rights we shouldn't be worthy of doing this recognizing my place i shouldn't be worthy to do this But he is he has called us to. Um, do you ever get excited by the idea that somebody might yell at me? <laughs> somebody might somebody might be angry with me. I might lose my job. Only Christians get excited about suffering. Only Christians, never anybody else. Maybe masochists, but. Um, Christians get excited about sharing the gospel and whether it goes well or not. They're excited to bear the news of Christ because of it burning inside of them. Is it burning in you? Is it burning? Hopefully we stoke some embers this morning by being in the word together, being in Acts. There's so much more allotted on our passage that could be covered this morning. In chapter 7, the instituting of men, seven men to be office uh, to be to the office of deacon, serving in order that the elders may be primarily concerned with the dispensing of God's word. And then one of those deacons, beautiful sermon uh, to, to the Sanhedrin, he becomes executed. And the introduction to a young, zealous, and angry man named Saul. And I would encourage each continue to dive deeper and read into each of these events uh, with the idea, I must obey God rather than men. What did that look like for these people? What could it look like for me?
there are an effect to obedience to God over men, these next passages, the next chapters, they are an effect of that obedience. The word of God does not return void. It will either spur you on to further righteousness or it will harden your heart. As we heard the word of the Lord today, let us be careful to not remain unchanged by it. Let's have the worship team come up. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for this challenging sermon. Um, I don't know how you all feel, but you got me thinking <laughs> quite a bit about, also about myself and how I live out my Christian life. Well, as the ushers are coming forward, we would like to take the offering. Well, as you know, we are, we are giving